Dave, how's it going today? Hi. Super, super. I'm very excited. Oh, um, yeah? Yeah, yeah. The uh, wing place. It took me years when I moved to Ohio to find, like, the perfect wing place. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I would always set myself up for disappointment and everything. And uh, finally found the place. And we were going there uh, for over a decade because they had this one particular sauce I loved. It was called Creeper Sauce. It was, like, crazy hot. Really, mm -hmm. really good. Mm -hmm. And then earlier this calendar year, it's like they redid their menu and like trimmed the number of sauces and it didn't make the cut. And so it's like rough. It, yeah. It was like, what am I going to do? And, and I was all, uh, you know, beside myself and everything. And I, and it's like, they got rid of it. And, and, uh, so just the other week it, it came back on the menu. So I guess my, uh, letter writing campaign, uh, paid off. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, so what now you're going to what hoard it right because you never know when it's gonna leave again so what like yes you know, fill up a bathtub with it yeah i'm gonna well i'm actually gonna get a, a weekend job there so i could get the recipe <laughs> and uh yeah or you just smuggle it out you know one packet at a time like that kind of thing. right yeah right yeah is, is that a bottle of hot sauce in your pocket or what yeah, right <laughs> uh yeah, a lot of people who run, you know, when you're first to run a wing joint, it's not something that comes to immediately, but, you know, you really got to think carefully about uh, sauce shrinkage, you know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's that's what they call it in the industry, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, that's terrible. Yep. Yeah, so what's new with you? I'm, uh, current, as we're recording, I'm looking out my window here at my driveway, and I'm waiting patiently for the UPS truck to arrive. Do you want to know why? You ordered something. I sure did. I sure did. Yeah. I ordered I ordered a new piece of luggage. Oh, okay. So there is a company that I like and respect very much. It's Tom Bin. Are you familiar with them? No, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. So un unpaid endorsement. Tom Bin is a yeah. um it's a bag company, basically, you know, luggage, backpacks, totes, what have you. Um has a devoted following. Like they have a forum on their, on their website, which is like very well trafficked. Um, mm. and in, at any given point, there's, you know, a thousand people on the forums. Um, wow. yeah. And, uh, so the, I, my experience with them is back when, uh, before pre-check, but mm. after they put the new post nine 11 rules in place, do you remember, uh, where you had to worry about taking your laptop out of the, uh, out of your briefcase? Yep. And then you had to flip it, uh, or the, they had like the breakaway one in the backpack. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you got the breakaway one in the backpack. Uh, another design was the trifold. So the, um, the laptop folded over one part of the bag and then the remaining part of the bag folded over those two. So created kind of a sandwich with your laptop in the middle. So, right. uh, anyway, Tom Bin made one of these bags and that's how I was introduced to them as I, as I bought that bag. And that's been kind of my everyday carry for, mm, years. Uh, let's say, hmm. Yeah, um, but at least five years. So and this is a, a backpack or, or a... Kind of more of a... It's a very roomy briefcase, I guess is a good way to okay. describe it. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, like in a pinch, you could put a, uh, an overnight setup in there, right? Um, yeah. As long as you didn't need shoes or anything like that. Anyway, uh, I'm now uh, in my old age... Uh, you know, I've got a rollerboard, you know, kind of a basic travel pro rollerboard that I've been rocking and this, and mm -hmm. this tote, and I'm beginning increasingly frustrated by the fact of having wheels. Mm. So let me explain. Wheels are great. If you are in an airport, uh, mm -hmm. wheels are great. If you are working with smooth surfaces, mm -hmm. um, wheels are not great. If those circumstances are not in play, 
Uh, and right. so um, on the recent trip to Germany and elsewhere, I found the wheels were actually annoying me more than uh, they were helping me. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's also like the waiting. You've got to kind of like drape your laptop bag over the end of the bag so you can counterweight so you're not carrying you know, you're not dragging 40 pounds of stuff around. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so wheels are basically creating more problems for me at this, uh, at this point in my life than, than solving Uh friend of the show, Matt Hicks, who's a vice president of engineering. I was in his office the other day and I saw he had another Tom bin bag, the TriStar, mm -hmm. okay. um, which is a, uh, roughly rollerboard sized, uh, carry, um, yeah. that has a shoulder strap, but also has a kind of a backpack configuration on it. Oh, um, okay. It's got three pockets in the front and three pockets in the middle. And, uh, reading through these well-trafficked forums, I learned all about, uh, how people have packed for, you know, two week trips to Europe using just this TriStar bag. Um, wow. so the setup, it's basically built to be the, a one bag solution. And so the idea is that if you're well organized enough, you can get everything you need inside the bag. It will still fit under the seat in front of you. Um, oh. yeah, see, and yeah. the, the middle pocket of the bag is designed so that you can slip your briefcase or your everyday carry in the middle. You follow me? Okay. Yep. Um, so you can kind of, uh, you can nestle your laptop bag in the middle of this thing. And then, uh, you know, as you're boarding the plane or whatever, you can just zip it up, stick it, um, in the overhead, if you like, and then you can carry yep. your laptop bag in there. But if you want, you can, it's all one, it can, you can turn it all into one thing that you can put on as a backpack or as a shoulder or what have you. Um, hmm. which, uh, which is great for like, especially if you're in g going to Brno, which I do from time to time to meet with our friends in engineering over there. Um, Brno, beautiful old European town. And by that, I mean, literally riddled with cobblestones, right? Yes. Um, yeah, and, that's what I was thinking. yeah. And so the, um, what the where what got me thinking in this direction is on my last trip I was rolling my rollerboard at uh, two o'clock in the morning after my flight landed uh, rolling this rollerboard through the main square of uh, this neighborhood in Brno and literally the wheel came off my rollerboard um, oh. and I said I need a better solution than this so anyway TriStar bag it's arriving uh, any minute now and I am going to rush out pick up the box. <laughs> And immediately repack everything in the TriStar and uh, see how it works out. So stay tuned for Gunner's one-week review of the Tom Bin TriStar. Yeah. Well, we better finish this episode in case he shows up. I don't want to cut the episode short. <laughs> hey, right. I got to go. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. yeah, but uh, Tom Bin, all the stuff is kind of handmade, extremely well-built. Um, uh, this bag that I've been carrying for five, five six years maybe. Um, mm -hmm. has a little bit of wear and tear on it, but it is, um, I would not be embarrassed to resell this bag or, or gift it to somebody. Um, wow. uh, all the stuff wears really well. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's like, I do a lot of regional jets. So mm -hmm. gate checking, uh, rollerboard, it, it just adds a half hour to every time I get on and off a plane and well, if that's you're right. connecting somewhere mm -hmm. and, you know, so anything that you could do to stick it under the seat in front of you or in the overhead, yep. uh, which like I have a big old Swiss whatever backpack, which isn't the most fashionable thing, mm -hmm. but it's functional. Um, and you know, it's, it does fit perfectly in, in the overhead and it's, it works great too. So yeah, mm -hmm. I, I have to, I got to check that out though. I, yeah. I, like, encu I encourage you to explore your, uh, Tom Bin options. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And the, the nice thing, the other thing with having a backpack is that you have both hands free. So mm -hmm. you can have like a cup of coffee and your cell phone for the boarding pass and all that instead right. of like having one hand to drag around your rollerboard. That's right. That's right. And in my my and in my current position in my former position, right, working with government customers, I was in suits all the time. Uh, in my current yeah. position, 
Uh, I'm lucky I'm wearing pants. Uh, and so, uh, we'll now, so, yeah, not, when you're wearing <laughs> and so now wearing a backpack is actually in the realm of possibility in a way that it wasn't when I was regularly meeting with customers. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited in a way that only a travel nerd can be excited about something like this. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, what's going on? The show? What's going on? Uh, what's going on with the show this week? What are we talking about? Yeah. So we're going to be talking about things that are ostensibly helpful, but actually dangerous. Mm-hmm. Good topic. Good topic. Like what? Uh, robotic tutors, uh, voice modulators, autocomplete, and the hellscape of Android VPN apps. Good. I like it. I like it. So if uh, if folks want links to uh, the Tom Bin website, if they want uh, you know pictures of the TriStar stuff like that, what website should they go to? Oh, they uh, they want to go to dgshow.org. So D's and Dave, G is in Gunner, show.org. Nice. And I'm looking at the uh, cutting room floor here, and uh, we got some good stuff here. We got like AI generated movie posters. Yep. Intrigued by yeah. that. Um, um, everything's AI generated. Oh, okay. So AI generated movie posters, AI generated inspirational posters, paint colors, metal band names. That's going to be good. I already know that's going to be good. And, uh, and guinea pig names. Yep. Ah, moment of silence for our guinea pigs. Yeah. Yep. Excellent. All right. Uh, well, where do we start? Yeah, let's talk about something that is much scarier than guinea pigs. Hmm. Okay. So, um, so Guinness Book of uh, uh, Guinness World Record uh, or Guinness Book of World Records uh, was they just awarded an an award to the first robot uh, table tennis tutor. Oh, so a robot that teaches you how to play better table tennis. Correct. Not uh, a person that teaches robots how to play better tennis. <laughs> Right. I just wanted to make that clear. Okay, great. Got it. Different, totally different award category. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, it's worth, you want to go to the show notes to check out the, the picture of this robot. But to me, the first thing I saw when I saw this picture, I thought Cylon. I'm taking a look like this is something out of Battlestar Galactica. It is something out of Battlestar Galactica that totally something looks like a Cylon tool. Yeah. It, it wants to kill you. Or play ping pong. <laughs> it's, let's just say it's a very harsh tutor. <laughs> yeah, just don't screw up. Right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it's called Forpheus, uh, which uh, stands for Future Omron Robotics Technology for Exploring possible uh, the Possibility of Harmonized Automation with uh, Cynic Theoretics, of course. Of course, yeah. It sounds like they have like a junior hill staffer working in the brand department of this company. But <laughs> yeah, like how much did it cost to come up with that? <laughs> um, yeah, probably as much time to make the robot. Um, so yeah, and and so what it does is it uses sensors to gauge your skill level and give you encouragement. And I guess it'll just adjust its difficulty um, to match yours to you know so it doesn't like totally uh, uh, crush you or whatever. So, um, but yeah. Interesting. I wonder, is this, this seems exa- like exactly the kind of thing like, oh, we made it for table tennis, but actually we're using it to train MMA fighters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the, there has to be some like military or uh, kind of heavy industrial use for this as well. Right. It's not just yeah. table tennis. Yeah. Was well, it made by Weyland Yutani or something? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of science fiction, have you seen this uh, this Hushmi uh, device? I didn't recognize the name, and then you showed me this uh, insane photo sure. of uh, this like mild mannered, uh, like thirty year old white dude um, mm-hmm. in a public space, 
but with like a Bane mask on. <laughs> and I suddenly remembered yeah. having seen this. I've seen this meme before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and they, they call it stylish ergonomic design. Um, company does. <laughs> but yeah, it looks like, I don't know, like a gag that would go over your mouth or something like that. Uh-huh. But, uh, but, you know, it's like all the rage now with the, you know, these Bluetooth headsets. And the problem that, you know, people face is that you're in a public place and you want to be able to have a telephone conversation with somebody, but you don't want people hearing what you're saying. So if you basically put this mask over your mouth, Mm -hmm. um, you could talk and it will not only muffle your voice, but it will uh, uh, do uh, uh, customized masking sounds like um, the wind or a squirrel or a Darth Vader or uh, or (laughs) R2-B2 or things like that. This is, uh, I'm going to say comically over-engineered. That's what I'm Mm going to say. I mean, this is like, well, first of all, it looks like a Weyland yutani uh, offering, right? So, yeah, yeah, that's that's where the alien will deposit the, the <laughs> larva or whatever, right? It's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does it, and it looks exactly like, yeah, it's like you're wearing a Bane mask. And I'm trying mm-hmm. to imagine, like, getting to the airport, I got there a little early, I got my coffee, I'm going to sit down, like, oh, I need to call Dave. And then uh, putting this, like, horrifying mask on my face so that nobody can hear our conversation. Yeah, you're going to be... Speaking of creeper, this is going to make it yeah. creepy. Yeah. But th- this reminds me of when, uh, like, the first time I ever saw somebody, and this is before earbuds uh, with cell phones, when somebody had just, like, the, the one earpiece, you know, plugged into their cell phone. Mm-hmm. And I was walking through an airport, and this guy was, like, talking. He was all animated and everything. And he didn't have anything in the other ear because it was just the, the single earbud. and And it was, like, this guy is insane. I like, it's like a business guy in a suit and everything. And he was like yelling and all that. And I'm like, what the heck? This guy's melting down in the airport. And it's like, Oh, he's on the phone. Cause then I saw the earbud going into his telephone and it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, it makes sense because it's just, I never saw anything like that before. Uh, and I wonder if, if this, uh, Hashmi device is just, we're, we're seeing it strange now, but, but everybody's going to have it a year from now. Well, actually, I have a vision of a guy walking through the terminal in Austin, uh, gesticulating animatedly um, and talking into this horrifying Bane mask. And I'm, and I'm thinking, like, maybe we haven't made any progress. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, and he's making uh, minion sounds or squirrel sounds. <laughs> That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or wait till the FAA approves uh, telephone usage on, on, the t- on the airplane, the guy in the middle seat, or you're in the middle seat and you have two people on the sides of you with their Bane masks on and uh, uh, forget it. Calls. Yeah, forget it. Have you, um, have speaking of uh, taking phone calls on airplanes, have you had anyone join a video conference session by airplane? Uh, I have been on Blue Jeans where people have joined from the airplane. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, I, you know, for a lot of times as people are being, they're quiet about it. You know, they're mm-hmm. not like talking, you know, like they're mostly in a listen only mode. Mm-hmm. Um, but how about you? Uh, I have joined, as you say, in listen-only mode on a flight. Um, that has certainly happened before. And then uh, kind of using Slack as the back channel, right? So instead yeah. of talking, I'll, I'll like text my questions. Oh, that was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but I have had people actually join by video before, um, which is disconcerting. Mm-hmm. Almost as disconcerting as people joining by video while they're driving. Yeah, while they're driving, that's that's like worse than those like Russian dash cam videos. That's <laughs> like scary, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're just waiting for something bad to happen because they're basically begging for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, so I, I was interested in this VPN topic 
Um, yes. because actually I've started to, I've, I've started to, especially as I'm starting to do more international travel, uh, I'm now getting curious about my VPN options, right. As I, mm-hmm. uh, as I move into places where, uh, where I don't necessarily trust the network that I'm on. Um, <laughs> and I had heard that the Android VPN app choice was not a, tr- not an easy one that it was kind of fraught with peril. Uh, <laughs> so, so tell me more about that. Or the other way to look at it is it's rich with choices. Um, <laughs> And yeah, buyer beware. Uh, but yeah, so there, there are these researchers, they tested 283 different apps and uh, found that the VPN apps and that they found that these apps inject adware, Trojans, malvertising or spyware. And and of the survey, get a load of this, uh, 18% of them do not encrypt traffic at all um, for whoa. a VPN. Yeah, uh, 84% leak user data, 38% reveal malvertising uh, or malware, and uh, 80% request access to sensitive data like user accounts or text messages. See, now, instead, and especially in studies like this, I have a, I have a guess that, uh, you know, when they say like leak user data, there's like mm-hmm. leak user data in a meaningful way to your average consumer, and then there's like leak user data in a way that's meaningful to a security researcher, right? Um, right. To like... You know, I can, I can 84% leak user data. Like, yeah, okay, maybe like they betray my user agent or something like that, right? Um, yes, yes. But yeah, like it's, it's bad if you're Al Qaeda, but right, for right. like, yeah, for like a grandmother, maybe it's fine. Right. But even, even accounting for that uh, kind of different or almost, even accounting for like an inappropriately gnarly threat model, those numbers are pretty high. Yes, yes. Especially eighteen yeah. percent don't encrypt. One out of every five of those two hundred eighty apps don't encrypt traffic at all. Yeah, that's bad. Well, the one thing there is uh, if for people that have like Nexus and Pixel phones, there's mm-hmm. a. Um, I don't know if you used it when you had it, but there was a feature that was. Um, uh, it was Google uh, Android Wi-Fi Assistant, where. It would automatically yeah. seek out open hotspots that weren't captive portals and then turn on VPN. And mm-hmm. so even if it was like a Roach Motel that you're connecting to, mm-hmm. it's you're VPNing and encrypting back to Google. Right. Right. Yes. I did. Which is great. Yeah. Although I I remember I tried that when I had an Android phone and I found it like it did not work as frequently as I would have liked. Right. Because you would have captive portals probably. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Huh. Yeah. Did it did it come with any recommendations on like Android VPNs that won't take food out of the mouths of your children? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I and who knows? It probably changes all the time. And you would think it would be like there would be like uh an open source implementation of like open VPN or something, or yeah. like some service that would be totally standards based and like this is a solved problem by now. Right, right. Yes, one would hope. But yeah. Apparently not. Yep. All right. Um, but we, we can just use our browsers and SSL and that'll keep us secure. Right. Right. Wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, there's another thing that, that came out and this is a little bit older, but still nonetheless interesting is, uh, autocomplete. Uh, so like, do you use autocomplete with forms and stuff like that? Uh, yes. Let's say yeah. yes. Let's say yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, you're filling out some form and it wants your address and zip code and state and, and like Chrome has a button that says, Oh, Hey, go ahead, fill all this out. And then blam, it's all in there. And you know, it's all filled out properly because you didn't mistype anything. And that's, that's pretty cool. Um, but the problem is, is that a lot of these browsers, um, like you can, it can do autocomplete, but you, like there was the exploit, uh, example showed that, like whenever you have the form on the screen, you could have the form, like the attacker could have the form on the screen to ask for like your first and last name, and then that's it. But it could still suck out of the autocomplete things like credit card numbers or other things that you wanted to uh, pull out, uh, like your address or phone number or things that even though you didn't want to give it, and it's submitted and it could be harvested before you even hit like a submit button. Hmm. That makes sense. It does make sense. That's a little scary. That's not yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, like if you, you know, because to me it's like when I go to fill out a form and I go to use the autocomplete, you know, I look at the form and it's like, oh, there's, it's not asking me for anything risky, so I'll just go ahead autocomplete it. Mm-hmm. But if, but what can happen is that it could still ask for other things that aren't listed in the form, and it would, it would be able to pull, autocomplete would give it to it. Right. Right. Yeah, that's tricky. Yeah. So it is this, and this is specific to any one browser. No, no. Um, uh, Chrome, Safari, Opera, um, and then even like LastPass uh, can is uh, susceptible to it. So like if you know, like with LastPass, you could set things up that if you go to a particular website, to automatically pump your username and password into mm-hmm. it without having to do anything, mm-hmm. and they discourage you doing that. Right. Right. Okay, so the solution is just disable autofill altogether. Don't do it. Or just don't use the internet. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Good. Good to have choices. Yeah. Good to have yeah, choices. A lot of choices. <laughs> just opt out. You're, you're done. Yeah. Um, so, Dave, you were telling me, switching topics now, you were telling me the other day um, that you can actually, speaking of browser extensions, you can actually get a browser extension that will let you watch any video at 2x mm-hmm. speed. Yes. Yeah. Or, or more or less. Yes. Um, so yes, there is, there is a uh, Chrome extension. A, a Google engineer came up with this Chrome extension that, you know, anything that is like HTML five, like, like video thing, like if it's a flash based video, it won't work. But if it's like an HTML five MPEG video or Netflix or something like that, it will work. Um, so I would be sitting there on my Chromebook and bring up like a documentary and I could watch the documentary at two X. It was pretty cool. I am extremely interested in this. This sounds right on my alley. I mean, I already, we've, we've talked about listening to podcasts at two X speed. Um, yes. Which is basically the only way to consume a sufficient number of podcasts during the week. Um, yes. But man, being able to get through maybe not for fiction, but definitely for nonfiction, I can see the virtue of getting through this stuff pretty quick. That's great. Yeah. And the article in the show note talks about, um, that people like it with comedies or at least like stand-up comedy and, and things like that too, because uh, the, the thought is that it's, it's actually funnier uh, because it's, it's much more uh, I guess faster paced or something like that. Oh, cause it's like, cause chipmunks are funny. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> no, but it, it does. Well, that's the thing. A lot of times people think that, Oh, you're watching something at two X and, and like it, it's like, it speeds up the audio Mm-hmm. To the point where it's like high pitch, but it actually does the pitch correction. 
Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. Right. So, yep. you know, so it'll be, it'll just sound like the person is talking twice as fast instead of like higher pitched, like, like a chipmunk. Right. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. That sounds good. That sounds good. It wouldn't have occurred to me to use it for comedy specials or anything like that, but I don't, I guess I don't watch that many comedy specials, but maybe now yeah. I can because they're not such you a time. Yeah. yeah. You'll, you'll have extra, you'll have twice the amount of time. <laughs> so what are some other applications of this, like speed it up without the pitch shift thing? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's actually related to that. A new thing I saw came out that, um, television, uh, network television stations are speeding up TV shows to be able to fit more ads in. So like, if you look at things like, uh, I love Lucy episodes that were historically were like 30 minutes long Well, there's not any room for ads. So they would actually edit out, um, parts of the, the show and then also speed it up. Um, like they, there was some evidence that in 2013, TBS sped up episodes of Seinfeld 7.5% uh, to be able to fit more ads in. Huh. It's pretty clever, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And at 7.5%, like, you're not really going to notice. Yeah. No. I, and you're probably, it's not enough time to, like, you're going to fit in, like, how many seconds? It's not, you know, not going to be that much. Um, not that many more ads. Yeah, especially well, especially if the episode, you know, a Seinfeld episode is twenty-two minutes long to start with. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and then um, you know the other thing too is that the the article went on to say that that even you know people are getting away from the model of breaking for advertising and actually weaving the advertising into the content of the show anyhow, like having like a, an actor drink a coke or something like that during the show. Right, right, like the, like the product placement stuff. And didn't we, I feel like oh, in a number of episodes back, we, we covered a company that specialized in uh, rejiggering product mm -hmm. placement after it had happened. So somebody yes. sits there in, so in the broadcast episode, he drinks a Coke, but then it goes into syndication and suddenly they're drinking Pepsi. Yeah, or they're, they're syndicating it in Japan and it's some Japanese drink. Right, right, mm -hmm. yeah. So and I, I'd rather not, I have to go find the link to it now, but um, it feels like we've now passed over the point where it used to be that video, you look at video and you could trust that what was on the video had actually, is actually the thing that happened, right? Yeah. And maybe that was naive. Maybe that was like misplaced trust, but it was mostly accurate because our ability to edit and, and mess with video was pretty compromised or needed like expensive machinery to do it. We're no longer there. Like... Uh, right. on my laptop, I could actually edit video and like replace products, right. And <laughs> stuff like mm -hmm. that. It would be labor intensive, but totally possible. Um, and it's just, it's funny how it, especially given the, you know, the political and news ecosystem nowadays, um, just the idea that, uh, not even video is, uh, is beyond scrutiny, right. Right. Um, like where, where now does truth come from kind of, yeah. Stuff. Well, and even go back like 20 years ago when you, it was like photographs were that way where mm -hmm. you would trust photographs and it's like, oh, well, obviously this is a picture of Bigfoot right. and, you know, <laughs> because that couldn't be fake. And, yeah. and over time you know, with the advent of like Photoshop, you know, I think people now are like, yeah, whatever. Like people just don't believe photographs at all anymore. Like they mm -hmm. take it with such a grain of salt. And, and it, now it's that way with, with video and then. And I could also imagine too, like I've, I've seen stuff, uh, that have 
um, and I'll, I'll have to dig it up for a future episode or something, but that will actually do uh, audio as well, where it can uh, take like Donald Trump or Barack Obama and have them say whatever you want. And it would automatically do like pitch changes and things like that. And it's, right. it's like unbelievably phenomenal. So you could have, you know, all of a sudden, you know, quote unquote, fake news of a politician saying something that he never said, but, oh, we have the audio clip and well, is it real or is it fake? And, and it's going to be harder and harder to tell. Right, right. Well, it's a, it's a, good, it's a good thing that the blockchain is going to solve all this for us. Uh, by uh, compelling us to commit artifacts to a uh, collective evidence mechanism um, that uh, that will ensure that none of this stuff ever gets tampered with. I just made that yes. up. I don't know. I mean, I, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm thought leadering. I'm thought leadering. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're full of it. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. Well, speaking of chains... Um, mm. Let's let's talk about your uh, your journey, uh, literally with uh, with running. Yeah, so it started in around New Year's. Uh, I was up at my mother in law's place on a beach, and mm -hmm. it was cold, but not so cold that I couldn't uh, run. Out. So I was like, "Man, I really ought to get out of the house." And this has nothing to do with my mother in law, who who I love very much. Um, I uh, went out, just bought myself a pair of shoes, and. Uh, just downloaded kind of the first running app that I found, right? Runkeeper, right? It was the most popular. Mm -hmm. So I downloaded this and so did a couple of nice things. Like first thing it did is, um, fed Apple health. So that was good. So I can mm -hmm. kind of collect all this information in one place. Second thing it did is actually did GPS tracking of your route. Mm -hmm. So you can go back and mm -hmm. repeat routes that you like uh, later, mm -hmm. which is good. And you know, it keeps track of your pace and your splits and all that other stuff. But I didn't really care about any of that stuff. I just wanted something that was going to kind of give me a little diary to work with. Right. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. Uh, I use this program, uh, couch to 5k, which is, uh, kind of, it's, there's a kind of industry that's built up around it, you know, with tools and websites and stuff like that. But really it's just a kind of an algorithm of like, how do you go from zero to running 5k? Hmm, and, okay. uh, I found it super approachable. And in fact, this Runkeeper app had basically a couch to 5k program built into it. It said, you know, for the next you know, for the next two weeks, these are the runs that you do and just do them as best you can and we'll get you there. Oh, and okay. sure, sure enough that happened. Uh, and, um, I, it's now by the end of that little couch to 5k program that I put myself on, uh, I now have a hard time not running in the morning. Like I feel antsy and uncomfortable, um, hmm. unless I go for at least like, you know, 20, 30 minutes, um, hmm. which is great. Uh, it's actually been, uh, it's actually been wonderful. And so, uh, I relearned a lesson that I learned back when I was learning Swedish, uh, which mm -hmm. is I was learning Swedish through Duolingo and, mm -hmm. um, what kept me going on Swedish was this notion of the chain building up. Like every time I completed this, the day's Swedish lessons, it would say, great, you're on day 123. That's all it says. Mm -hmm. And then I come back and says, well, day 124. And there is a very strong motivation to not turn that back into day one. Um, yes. like there's no reward, right? <laughs> there's no, like there's right. no upside. Um, but just that's an awfully high number. And I found it very motivating uh, to do that. So anyway, the run keeper, uh, has a similar kind of mechanism in place where, it, you know, it puts you, you know, if you're going to run three times a week, um, these are the three runs that you're going to do. And, uh, you know, it kind of keeps your pace. Likewise with the little like food counter app that I've got, um, yeah. to track the amount of protein I've got. It also says like, Hey, you've logged 89 days in a row. 
you log 90 days in a row, like you don't want that to turn back into one. Um, right. Anyway, I found for just for the way my brain works, um, I found this super motivating. And uh, if there's something I want to do, whether it's like run, meditate, uh, log food, um, any of these other things, um, mm-hmm. having that uh, having, having that information on like how far, how, how long is the chain now? I found that, uh, I found that super helpful. So I don't know. Have you applied that to other things in your life? Yeah, I have, I, I maybe I'm, I'm too Catholic for it, but it's, it's like, I'm, <laughs> you know, like, I feel like, uh, um, like I, I would, like I did Duolingo for a while and I went, uh, um, uh, uh you know, I, I did that for a while, but it's, but then it felt like a burden. Of right. like it, it's something like I like eating your spinach and it's oh you've ate your spinach for forty days and and it's like I I'm, I don't want to eat spinach anymore and and I think a lot of it is is you want to want to do it too mm-hmm. and or whatever you're doing I think having having the the desire to do it but I've I've struggled with of uh, you know doing the the chain things but I'm glad you're able to do it that's cool mm-hmm. but is like the the couch to five k stuff is that mm-hmm. how how does that work like in terms of like uh, running, like ordinarily, if somebody would want to start running, it's like, oh, they buy a pair of shoes, they run down the street till they get out of breath. And right. then you catch your breath and you run some more. Is it is it different from that? Or is it? it... Is, yeah, so it is. So it starts you with like, okay, uh, uh, at least on the, 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 the way that I the way that the way that this thing taught me to do it was, um, okay, go slow for four minutes. And slow could mean okay. walking and so slow could mean, you know, a leisurely jog. Slow is just whatever slow is for you. And then do yeah. one minute steady. In other words, like your goal is to just be able to maintain that speed, which is presumably uh-huh. faster than slow for one minute. And then okay. over the over the course of the program, you get more and more steady and less and less slow. Okay. Got it. And so now I'm at four minutes steady and then one minute slow um, on kind of an everyday run. And then, uh, the way it's proceeding is, uh, it gives me, I asked for three runs a week. And so this little robot gave me two runs of 30 minutes at that four steady one slow. And then the third run is like a a longer distance. And so it takes into account what your previous performance was. And I guess it gooses you up by 10% or 20% or whatever. Um, right. Like a stretch goal. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and so that is actually, I, I don't know. I guess they got good data scientists over there, or maybe this is just like a straight algorithm you can run to figure this stuff out. But, um, yeah. it's been super effective. I mean, I've gotten up to, I think now kind of the stretch goals are like eight kilometers, nine kilometers for me. Um, yeah. which I guess is like four, was that, what is that? Four or five miles? I don't know. Maybe five, yeah. six miles. And then, uh, but I've gone up to like 12 kilometers, um, wow. on a good, you know, on a good day. It's been, uh, and it's great. It's been really rewarding. I, I am not a runner. I have never characterized myself as a runner. I am not interested in running culture. Um, I, uh, I, nothing about me says I'm interested in running. And so you last don't weekend, subscribe to runner don't subscribe to runner's world. Not like not plugged into this thing at all. However, also found myself in a running store last weekend buying a new pair of shorts. So I guess that's how they get you. Yeah, yeah. And then for the the stretch goal, does it go from? instead of like four, like four and one, does it do like three and two? So to keep you go further distance? Yeah. It doesn't push you as hard. Yeah. So no, it actually, it keeps you at the, at the same intervals. Um, you just have to maintain them for a longer period of time. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, it's more repetition. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
right? Okay. So it's four um, and one, four and one, one for yes. a longer distance. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so, uh, I don't know. I've now like, so a couple, no, now we're running evangelist. Um, a couple of interesting things is now I have a much better sense of distance in my neighborhood. So that's nice. Um, yes. I also actually have been in every nook and cranny of my neighborhood. So that's nice too. Yes. Um, uh, and because I am blessed to live in Austin, which has one of the most wonderful uh, public pools in the country, which is uh, Barton Springs, which is mm-hmm. almost exactly five kilometers from my house. Um, uh, if I get up early enough in the morning, I can now run to Barton Springs, which is about 70 degrees Fahrenheit year round, um, mm-hmm. which means I can run into the thing. If I get there before 8 a.m., it's free. I can jump in with uh, all the old Ukrainian guys. And um, there, like, polar bear club, right. yeah, the polar bear club, right? I, I can uh, I can swim around, um, uh, tread water for a little bit, and then just get on, put my shoes back on, and and run back home. And it turns every day into a vacation. It's uh, it's such a treat. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. So, and I know, like, I've been fooling around a little bit with running, just a little bit to just try it out and get some exercise and all that. As as I get older and rounder. Um, you know, the diet isn't enough. And so mm-hmm. getting your pulse rate up and everything. But I found that when you run compared to, and it's, it reminds me a lot of like riding a motorcycle, but even to a greater degree, mm-hmm. like when you go for a walk or you go for a run, you're so much more observant of what's around you. That's right. And like, like, you know, you probably have drove that route many, many times and, mm-hmm. but you're on a conference call or you're looking right. for somebody cutting you off or something, yeah. but you probably didn't notice a plaque or, or whatever, you know, that, that, or something along the way that's like, Oh, that's like cool nooks and crannies that you would, would have never seen before. Mm-hmm. And I find that rewarding too. Yeah, no, that's right. I, uh, when I started, I used it as a time to retire some of my podcast debt. Um, yes. and I, st- and I still do that. Uh, it's a, it's a nice, you know, it's a nice quiet time just for yourself where you can do something like that. Um, but I found that recently for exactly the reason you mentioned, I actually enjoy not even listening to podcasts, um, and just being, uh, kind of totally present in the running. Um, yeah. In the moment, right. Yeah. It's a nice, uh, it's a nice, you could call it a mindful meditation. You could call it, you know, being present. Um, but it is, uh, certainly makes me feel better at the end of it. It's great. Yep. Yeah. So now we're going to have to change the, the go into iTunes and change this to a running podcast now. Or, <laughs> That's or... right. That's right. That's right. We're going to join <laughs> Dave on his journey to or join Dave yeah. on his journey to 5k. Yeah. Right. No, I, but, I get uh, out of breath when I drive a car. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought my, and so, and again, coming to this as someone who was like, I wasn't interested in weight loss. I wasn't really interested in any of the stuff. It just kind of like, it was just something to do on vacation. Yeah. You know, yeah. just like a great way to enjoy the beach at the time. Right. That's how it started. Yeah. Um, but, uh, for all the reasons we just talked about, um, the mindfulness, the, um, the time to yourself, the idea that it's like a program that you're sticking to get put, you know, that there's some kind of structure around it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, anyway, I found it really rewarding. I found it great. And as long as you don't get too hung up on like, do I have the right gear? Do I have the right shoes? Do I got to stretch and all this other stuff? Like none of that stuff matters. Like you can just go right. do it and it's free. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So just don't do it in jeans. Cause that's really uncomfortable. It looks weird too. Oh, that's right. It looks that's like you're mean. you're running away from. <laughs> that's right. That's like, it looks like you're in you're flight. Yeah, yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, right. Yeah. All right. All right. So I guess for for more running links and and things like that, uh, mm-hmm. where where do we need to send people? 
I would send people to dgshow.org. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's uh, D as in distance. Um, G mm-hmm. as in uh, what? Jogging. Go running. Dot org. Yeah. Nice. All right, Dave. Uh, well, I'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Yeah. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening and uh, enjoy the go for a run and uh, listen to the podcast some more. Yes, indeed. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.